Now, today we want to uh, continue uh, our study in the Brit Chadashah in the New Covenant, uh, all the way toward the end, all the way toward the back, a tiny little section there called 1 John. And it's interesting because, <clears throat> you know, he puts a lot of emphasis on what was at the beginning in this uh, little letter that he writes. You know, John was a, a Jewish a man, was a disciple of Yeshua, uh, and he was in the inner circle, right? He was in the inner circle, very close uh, uh, to the Messiah. Many believe referred to as the beloved you know, a, a disciple, apostle. And he wrote a history of uh, the last, well, mostly of uh, the, uh, toward the end of Yeshua's life. We call it the Gospel of John. It's very interesting. It's different from the synopses of Yeshua's life in a variety of ways. Uh, about half the book covers the last week of Yeshua's life in the Gospel or the Good News according to John. But he also wrote some, some letters some letters to groups of believers, to some individuals, and we have them in our text, and we want to look at one of these letters. That's what we're in the middle of, in 1 John. And so it is interesting, the perspective that he has, because he refers to Yeshua as the one who was from the beginning. And if you remember from the last time, when he says, uh, in, in uh, such great fashion, he says, um, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning, right? Uh, the old commandment is the word which we have heard. Then he says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, right? So when he says, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, it's one that has been in the Torah for thousands of years. He's talking about loving uh, your neighbor as yourself is ultimately what he's referring to. But he's saying it's been there for years. But then he says, but on the other hand, it is a new commandment because we read in the uh, uh, Tanakh itself that God would place the Torah within us and empower us to live it out uh, in a very uh, empowering kind of way. So in that sense, it's a new commandment. So he encapsulates that whole thing there. And it, it kind of reminds me of our Haftorah portion for today. So while you have just spent all that time looking for one John, I want you to put your hand there. Don't, don't lose the space, right? You don't want to lose it. You worked hard there, okay? And, and then I want you to go back all the way to Ezekiel, Yechezkel, Ezekiel, chapter 36 in, in the prophets. And I just want to uh, remind us a little bit about something we just read in the Haftorah portion and how it relates to this book of the Bible. All right. <clears throat> so we read here in Ezekiel, chapter 36, you know, the Jewish people are in uh, the Babylonian captivity, right? Ezekiel was like, uh, sometimes we, we, we could refer to him as the embedded prophet, right? You know how uh, in recent um, uh, uh, military campaigns, you have embedded uh, reporters, right, that are like there in the back of the truck making a name for themselves, right? Yeah. So uh, here you have Ezekiel, who was uh, traveling with the, uh, the rest of the people going to Babylon, right, with them. And, uh, and he writes a number of different things. But here, he writes uh, here about how uh, we've profaned the name of God. We've sinned against God, and so we've gone into captivity. But God is going to restore us, not because we're all, like, attractive and good-looking and have, uh, you know, all kinds of good things to uh, offer, but for God's holy name, for his own sake, for his own reputation, 
for, uh, for his own uh, uh, plan for this world, he's going to redeem the Jewish people, he says. Not just coming out of Babylon and back to Judea, but in the huge picture of redemption and the coming of the Messiah. So he says here, he says uh, in verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. So in other words, he's going to bring us back to the land, he says, and then I'm going to cleanse you. Sprinkle clean water on you. And in our Isaiah class at MSI, we learned that the word sprinkle, when it's used, has a very important meaning, not just like sprinkling, but it refers back to the sprinkling of blood uh, on the mercy seat. It refers to uh, atonement. It, uh, and if you look at all the different ways that it is used, you see in these contexts of what God is going to do, sprinkle nations, uh, uh, sprinkle the people, it's referring to this sense of what the priests did with the blood. Okay? So uh, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you clean from your filthiness and your idols. And he says, not only that, like Dayenu, you know, but more so, uh, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is one of the few places in the Bible where the flesh is a good thing. <laughs> okay, it's going to give you like a sensitive heart, you know, a, a compassionate heart, uh, not a stony heart, a hardened heart, but a soft heart to be able to receive uh, the things of God. Okay? Then he says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That is a very important verse for us uh, in looking at this passage in 1 uh, uh, John. For he says, I will put my spirit within you. And then notice he doesn't say, and then cause you to forget all of my ordinances and all of my statutes and just shoot from the hip and do what feels good. Right? No, it says, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and in my ordinances. Isn't it interesting that it says that? And cause you to walk in my statutes. In my, I'm not getting rid of the Torah. I'm giving you the empowerment to live it out and to live it out in the way that I want you to live. And of course, uh, in different contexts and classes and in different messages and, uh, and uh, derashes and so on, we talk about all what that means. But the point for us is, is that when you go to 1 John, he, his understanding is the beginning of that day has come. The beginning of that day has come. The Messiah has come. Now, we might say, but, but then how come there's no peace? And how come we don't have the entire, uh, you know, uh, the, the fruition of the whole thing? Well, one reason is, is that we have rejected the Messiah. Not only uh, Jewish people, but the world, basically, uh, has rejected the Messiah. The light came in the darkness, did not receive him. The darkness is really the cosmos, you know, the, the, the world as it is, the way of the world, did not receive him. But that day is indeed coming. But what he has done, he has given us the opportunity to experience a portion of that future now, right? Uh, and so that's what John means when he says, it's an old commandment, but on the other hand, 
It's a new commandment. There's the way, uh, there's the way of life that God has given us, and then there's a portion of the Olam Habab given to us now. In Yeshua, the Messiah, who is called the life. He's called the life. The, the, he's called the Word of God. He is called the life. He is called the life forever, or as we like to say in English, eternal life. That's who he is. See, and so when we embrace him, this, uh, a, a miracle, in a sense, takes place, and we, we participate in that future life to a degree today. And so that's what he is saying. He understands that we're living in the beginnings of this messianic age, yet running concurrently with the world as it is, right? Uh, he uses terminology like light and darkness. You know, we're of the light, but then there's the world, which is uh, a darkness uh, and a terminology uh, uh, like that. Uh, and so that's where he's coming from. Okay, that's where he's coming from. So <clears throat> we have been looking in the second chapter, okay, uh, and uh, I want us to begin in verse 12. Verse 12 to 14 to start out with. We'll see, we'll see where we end up. This is like a little parenthesis, uh, verses 12 to 14. You could actually remove verses 12 to 14 and just go from verse 11 to 15 and it would make sense. But it must be there for a reason, right? And so uh, we want to understand what it says. Now, what he has been saying is he's been giving a series of warnings. Remember that the occasion for writing this letter, the reason he wrote it is, is that there were, were people who had come into this group that he's writing to and had uh, disseminated uh, some bad teaching. Uh, one is that, uh, that the Messiah uh, was not a real person, right? That there was no such thing as sin or that sin does not matter or there's no authority uh, to the word of God uh, uh, and that if you uh, sin... Uh, then you are, uh, you know, you're outside. You're an outsider. And we dealt with uh, some of those things, right? But we know that one of the things that he says <clears throat> in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. I'm writing these things to you so you might remember who you are, right? So that uh, you might live uh, this, uh, this life. Remember that Yeshua has taken away your sins, Remember, therefore, that when you confess your sins, you're forgiven and cleansed. Uh, remember uh, that the truth is in you. Uh, remember that uh, you, uh, by virtue of uh, a belief in Yeshua or embracing Yeshua, you have this relationship with God. You share in that life, and, uh, and we share in that life uh, to, together, right? All these, uh, all these different things. Well, now he's going to begin uh, a section. Now, and he's been saying also, of course, that uh, when you're a child of light, uh, you live a certain way. If you're, he uses that metaphor of light. It's used in, a, in the Tanakh. It's used elsewhere where, you know, uh, <clears throat> we are called, as Jewish people, from the book of Isaiah, we're called to be uh, lights to the world, right? Uh, light is often used for the knowledge of God and, and His Word and relating to, to God. So he uses that phrase, children of light, and he says, if we're children of light, we will indeed love our enemies, right? And what does light have to do with darkness? He's saying all, all those things. 
uh, showing the realm in which we live as Messiah followers. But now he's getting ready to really challenge uh, these people and to warn them uh, uh, about threats from the outside as well as threats from the inside. All right? So in verses 12, 13, and 14, he's going to remind them of something. This is sort of like, uh, just like a pause, and he wants to encourage them in a certain way. And so, uh, just like here, sometimes there are threats from the inside. Remember, people had come into this congregation and had shared some bad teaching, and then they left. And then the people were in a quandary about who, what do these people teach, and why do they leave us, or what's the story? And so John here has been, you know, warning them about uh, this, uh, uh, to be careful from the inside, but now he's also going to warn them about to be careful from influences from the outside, all right? So he begins here in verse 12 by saying, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, uh, forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Okay, so these are uh, kind of interesting words. He in a sense, he's repeating himself. He basically says, for all intents and purposes, he says the same thing twice. It's interesting. So it just goes to show you that repeating yourself can be a very good thing. There you go. So he talks about children, fathers, and young men. He addresses children, fathers, and young men. And then he, he does it again. Children, fathers, and young men. Okay. Now, he has been using the word children throughout the letter to refer to as a term of endearment for all the people that he's writing to, okay? So he's not referring to little kids, okay? He's not saying, hey, kids, you know? He's using this as a term of endearment. This comes at the end of his life. He's old. He's been around a long time. He was with Yeshua, right? Uh, and, uh, and so these are people that have come to know the Lord after him. Maybe people that he has influenced himself, mentored himself, or just people that he knows that are much younger than himself in, in, in the faith. And so he calls them uh, uh, children, all right? So he uses that metaphor for that re relationship. And then he uses fathers. Now, you know, 2,000 years ago, when this was written, he would have written to uh, uh, pr uh, primarily uh, the leaders of the community, uh, men, young men, old men, and so on. But may I suggest, in the way that we apply this in our own lives, he's talking about older people and younger people, okay? I don't think we need to, you know, um, um, make uh, 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 too big of a, a deal about that. Some people <clears throat> would interpret this as saying, well... You know, uh, children refers to new believers, fathers refer to people that have been around a long time, and young people just sort of in between. Or some people understand it as little children refers to all the people, uh, fathers refer to the leaders 
and young men to kind of like everybody else. But I would just suggest that he's talking to everyone, older and younger. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, is that uh, when you look at what he writes to the little children, and what he writes to the fathers, and what he writes to the young men are all interchangeable things that could be written to any of them, right? Uh, but he is making a point here just by using that terminology, I would, I, may I suggest, okay? And that he's saying, first he says to everybody, your sins are forgiven for his namesake, right? Okay? Uh, and then at the end of verse 13, when he writes to children again, he says, I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. Sort of a very general term. You know, your sins are, I write uh, to you and I have written to you. Sort of really making the point. I'm writing to you and I have written to you. In other words, take this to the bank, so to speak. You know, uh, I really want you to get this. So it's very interesting. He says it twice and he says it two different ways. <clears throat> and, uh, and he says, your sins are forgiven. The most basic truth of all for us all is our sins are forgiven. Now, that is not just information, but it's also like a euphemism. Okay? So it's true, our sins are forgiven in Messiah. But the phrase, our sins are forgiven, is a euphemism, I would suggest, for the new covenant. You know, when you read in Jeremiah chapter 31, you know, in that day, behold, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, and, and I'll forgive your sins. You know, uh, or it says, I'll forgive you, and your sins I will remember no more. Right? So the forgiveness of sins is a sign of that messianic age. And so he's saying, your sins are forgiven, uh, little children. In Messiah, no longer is there this barrier between uh, God and yourselves. Uh, in Messiah, now, uh, uh, you don't have to be concerned that, that uh, you don't measure up. That this wonderful gift of God in the person of Yeshua who took our sins on himself, who bore our iniquities and carried our sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, even though we didn't understand it, as it says in Isaiah, in the Tanakh, in Isaiah 53. He has indeed come, and his name is Yeshua, and our sins are forgiven. So he wants to remind them of that. Everybody, like, don't forget that, okay? You are, you know, you're secure. It's sort of a, uh, what he's trying to get at. This is not like you're not hearing this for the first time. He's saying it to them, don't forget that. Because he's already said it. If you read the letter, uh, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 1, if you go all the way to where we are right now in chapter 2 and verse 12, you might say, you know, wait a minute, he said this already. That's right, because he's trying to drive it home. Remember who you are. Remember that your sins are forgiven. Remember you are children of the light. Remember that you belong to the Messiah. All right? And then he says here to Fathers. And again, may I ask you, fathers refers to uh, people in the faith uh, who have been around a long time. Now, in this day, when he wrote it, probably, it just makes sense, by around the end of the first century, approximately, that the people who were older are people who had been believers a long time. You, you know, in those early uh, decades, right? So, the primary thing is that these people were not just like elderly people, but 
that they had known the Lord a long time, and with that comes wisdom, with that comes a level of understanding how God uh, works uh, in the world. Uh, now, coupled with that, of course, uh, some people know the Lord for a long time but never really understand <laughs> what's going on, you know? Uh, so he's talking about people that know the Lord, that are mature believers, that have been around for a long time, all right? And he says, you know him who has been from the beginning, okay? And he uses that phrase, you know him who has been uh, from the beginning. Whether the beginning here in this context is like the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of time, or the beginning of the good news, the beginning, you know, you go back to the days of Yeshua. Perhaps that's what he's saying to these particular people. You go back to, to, to those days. Just like we here might say, you know, if you've been coming here for a long time, oh, you remember when we were down on campus and remember that, you know. Uh, and so he's saying to them, you've been here a long time. You, you know these things. Okay. Then he says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. Uh, you have overcome the evil one. Young men or young people, uh, uh, perhaps uh, saying to them, you know, you have strength, you have vigor, you have strength. And in a certain respect, when you read it again, when he says uh, here, I, <clears throat> I have written to you children because you know the Father. I have written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. He basically just repeats it. And then when he says, I have written to you young men, in verse 14, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. He seems to be putting a lot of emphasis on the younger ones, on the younger people in terms of vigor, in terms of uh, overcoming, and you know, uh, in terms of uh, how he describes them having the word of God, overcoming the evil one and so on. And, uh, and, and so this really, I think, speaks to us kind of an interesting uh, way. Uh, first, we understand what he's saying. He's, he's encouraging them. He wants them all to know whether they're old or young, no matter who they are. Know who you are in Messiah, okay? Because uh, there are challenges in this world that we have to face, and that's what's coming. But he's saying to them, remember who you are. Know that you've overcome the evil one. Know that your sins are forgiven, know uh, that you've, uh, especially if you uh, have been a believer for a long time, you, you know the Lord and you've known the Lord for a long time and all that implies. For us, uh, we need to know who we are also. We need to remember that because as we'll see probably mostly next week when we talk about the world, as he explains it, you know, beginning, do not love the world, we'll understand what that's talking about. But we too need to remember who we are in Messiah, and that we don't uh, have our identity, our primary identity, uh, by what uh, the world itself tells us who we are, or other people tell us who we are, but we know who we are because of who God is and what he has done uh, in, our, uh, in our lives, right? We know that our sins are forgiven. Uh, even if the world condemns us, we are not condemned by God, right? Uh, and we know from uh, just the wisdom that comes over time that yes, challenges do indeed come, but God never uh, changes. 
And then, as he says again to those who are uh, younger, he's saying, you, uh, you, know, you have the word of God abiding in you, and, and you are overcomers. So encouraging them. He is, in, he is encouraging them. And so to us, we need to be encouraged, but we also need to understand that all of us, whether uh, we are old uh, or whether uh, we are young, no matter who we are, uh, that uh, we have an important, uh, an important role uh, to play, right? Uh, you know, last uh, Wednesday, this past Wednesday uh, morning, we were looking at our men's uh, Bible study in the book of Titus, right? Uh, you're saying, where's that? Yikes. Well, that's okay. You don't have to turn there. But if you go backwards, you'll eventually find it from uh, 1 John. You'll, you'll see First and Second Peter, James, Hebrews. Oh, there's Titus, okay? So <clears throat> he's saying to him, he's admonishing him as a leader about how to uh, speak into the lives of different kinds of people. So he says, uh, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Okay? And if you jump down then to verse um, 6, he says, Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. Then you have a, uh, a statement uh, in verse 3 where it says, Older women, likewise, are to be irreverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be pure, sensible, workers at home, kind, subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. The point is, is that when we have experience and years on us, that we need to speak into people that are younger than us. The wisdom, the, the way of life that God gives us. And contrary to our culture, that when you reach a certain age, you're not on the shelf, right? I, that there's no such thing as retiring, and, and now I don't have to pray anymore. You know, I, I've retired from praying. Uh, you know, I've retired. Well, we do, take, we do tend to look that way, for example, like summer vacation, right? So, like, there's no school, so that must mean we don't need to, like, come to services or uh, have Bible studies because it's the summer. Because we don't do that in the summer. Because it's like school. I mean, it's like school, right? Uh, but it isn't. But that's kind of how we think, right? So, it's important to realize that if you have some years on you of knowing the Lord, Knowing the Lord and kind of a long stretch of knowing the Lord. Not like, uh, well, when I was 18, I came to faith. And when I was 30, I fell away. And when I was 60, I came back. So now, here I am, right? I mean, like, you have this consistent walk with God over a long period of time, regardless of how old you are, but over a long period of time. You have something to share, just the wisdom that comes with all that. You have no idea what you know. You have no idea how much you have to offer and to share. And so John is encouraging older people that, you know, I'm going to be writing here about not loving the world, and you've been around the world, in the world, you know, so dealing with it for so long. I'm encouraging you that you have something to offer. You've been around from the beginning. 
So don't throw in the towel. Don't retire. Don't, you know, think there's uh, nothing left to do. And then he speaks to younger people. And he's really, in a way, I think he's like emphasizing those people saying, look, you have the energy. And that's kind of the way he talks about the younger people here. You have the energy. You know that it's like you're the line, the first line of defense. Because sometimes when you get uh, older and you do have uh, wisdom and all of that, you know, you're not uh, in the workforce in the same way. You don't have all the same connections and, 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 and all of that. And boy, if you're in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s, man, that's where the action is in this world. And so uh, that is the heartbeat of our future now. Not like our future like in 20 years. I mean, our future starting now. And so it's very important that uh, uh, people that we would consider young, when it says young men, but I'll say young men and women, uh, really, uh, we need to make sure that we're pouring life into you and teaching and so that you're receiving and you're out there doing and going and, and really making a difference for the Lord in this world. Very important that, uh, that we get that. And so he speaks to everybody, he speaks to older, and he speaks uh, to uh, younger. Now, notice when he speaks to younger, again, he says, whoop, he says here, you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. See, you know, he doesn't say, you who are older men, you are strong. He doesn't say that. He says, you younger men, you're strong. Energy, Right? You know, there was a day when I, uh, we would have, uh, oh, we would have uh, meetings of, uh, you know, whether it's in our union or just in other organizations I've been in where we're always like, you know, uh, we're drawing lines in the sand and we're going we're gonna to go get them and we're going we're gonna to do this. And, you know, so now we really, this is like the best time historically that I can ever remember for the unity of our whole Messianic movement. I don't mean in our, just in our UMJC, Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations, but all the way around. And so what do we say amongst ourselves? The testosterone level has dropped. We don't want to, we're too tired for that, you know? We've been, we've been, around, the, we've been around the horn on those things already, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, but when you're uh, young, there's vision and there's energy. Now it's true also for us, uh, you know, uh, that have been around for a while, but it isn't the same. It's just not the same, okay? Uh, and uh, it's so important that we, yes, that we be energized and we use our energy and we, we be strong in the Lord and all that, but he says it specifically to young people in the text. Don't argue with me, argue with the Bible, okay? All right? Uh, he says, you're strong. And then he says here, very importantly, the word of God abides in you. Now, this is true. The word of God abides in the older, the, the fathers. And the, the word of God abides in the, the children, everyone. But he says it specifically to them. And it's so important to get that if we're going to be uh, uh, relevant, if we're going to be strong, we need to have the word of God in us, not just theologically in us, you know, or theoretically uh, in us, but in us, right? And the word of God is indeed powerful. Now, when it says the word of God abides in you, 
It's talking about everything related to Yeshua. Uh, the, the, you know, he is called the Word, right? And He abides in us. The Word uh, of life abides in us. We're empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh who abides in us. Uh, in other words, God indwells us and lives out His Word in us. Uh, but it's so important for us to know this Word, to know it. Because when you combine our will, our desire to serve God, the knowledge that we have of the Word of God, and the empowerment of the Ruach HaKodesh, that is powerful. That is powerful. See, when we desire it, when we know it, and empowered spiritually, that is indeed powerful. And just very quickly, one of many things we read about the Word of God, in addition to like, you know, it's a light to my path, right? Uh, very important that it, it gives us, the Word gives us a light to know the decisions to make and, and the way to walk. But we read very, very powerfully here that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts uh, uh, and intentions of the heart. Okay? There's no need to parse marrow. What does he mean by marrow? Okay? I know that we just love to do that kind of stuff. Right? But that's not what he, he's saying. It's, it's, empow, it's empowering. And, 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 and not only that, but it is so... Uh, it drills down into us, right? Uh, and, uh, and it convicts us and it empowers us to live and to make a difference and to speak into this world, to speak into the culture of this world. And if anyone is going to make a difference, a real difference in years and in decades to come, it's going to be young men and women empowered, motivated, knowledgeable to go and make a difference, you know, uh, at broad and high and wherever you might work down there or wherever it might be. Uh, and it is so important for us who are maybe referred to as the fathers, the older people, to pour ourselves into uh, these folks, you know, as well as continue to make that difference. Uh, in this world, because it is kind of interchangeable, right? That word is in us, and, and we still have uh, many miles to go and great opportunities. But it is very important the way that John phrases this. It's almost like he, he starts with everybody, those of you that have been around from the beginning, and you young people, right? Uh, that's what he's saying here. Because the next thing, and we're going to save this for the next time, but the next thing he's going to say, he's, he's encouraging them, okay, uh, is about the issues of loving the world. So verses 12, 13, and 14 is sort of like the locker room speech, you know? I, I did think uh, this morning, although I uh, didn't take the time to look it up, I only say this, the Newt Rockney speech, someday I'm going to memorize it, and it will come in handy uh, in some message, but otherwise I'd repeat it 20 times, so it's good that I don't know it yet. Okay, good. So, but, you know, all I can think of is, you know, we're going to hit him high, we're going to hit him low. It's a, it's a great speech. And, and uh, you know, they're out there, and they, and they uh, 
well, you know the rest of the story. But anyway, uh, you know, that's, that's what we have here. And so let us be excited and empowered and recognize that in the community of Messiah followers, whether we are older or whether we are younger, we have a vital, vital role to play in changing this world. Now, next week, we'll talk more about changing this world. But this week, uh, uh, we're going to stick with just what John says here about remember who you are. Remember the great role that you have to play no matter who you are uh, in the community of faith and the body of Messiah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, that whether we are older, whether we are younger, whether we're in between, whatever it is, thank you, Lord, that um, we do not find our worth based on the culture that surrounds us. Lord, I pray for those of us that are here today uh, that have been around for a long time, that have been Messiah followers for a long time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, beyond maybe. Lord, I pray, God, that you would use these folks mightily in making a difference in this world and being a role model and mentoring others. And Lord, I pray for those uh, who are uh, uh, younger, uh, even, even whether we're talking about uh, physically or even uh, knowing the Lord for a shorter period of time, but are just so excited about the things of God. Lord, I pray for these folks that I, uh, with the word imparted, implanted, as Peter says, I, and Lord, making such a difference in our lives, I pray, God, that we would indeed I uh, realize that we have overcome the evil one. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be empowered with confidence to speak into this culture and make a difference in this world. Lord, and for all of us, we may be an older person, but a new Messiah follower, a new believer in Yeshua. We may be a younger person, but we've known the Lord maybe since we're like 10 years old. Whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that we might uh, recognize we might know who we are and that we are empowered to make a difference in this world for Yeshua, for our Messiah, in Him. And we pray in Yeshua's name.